I get to continue uh, what Nick has been talking about with uh, spiritual gifts and discernment, or that's what I'm talking about, uh, but activation of gifts. Um, and the, the big thing I felt like the Lord was speaking on tonight was that uh, he wants to emphasize how much of a revealing God he is. And so even just like in worship, like uh, the specific ways that we praise him, I want us to think back to those things because that's going to be one of the, the key parts of acting out of discernment and activating that spiritual gift that is a good gift from the giver. Uh, God wants us to do it from the places of worship, like what we just did, and specifically of how he's revealed himself to us and to the world. And so that's why we sing songs that have really good lyrics, and that's why we uh, follow scriptural commands that tell us to preach the word and uh, emphasize the gospel and redemption and reconciliation to the earth, um, because that is how God has revealed himself to us. So the nature of the spiritual gift of discernment is that God is a revealing God. And so discernment is kind of like, it's a, it's a bigger word, uh, and it's also kind of a christian word, because you don't always hear that like in everyday speak. Uh, and I kind of wanted to categorize discernment into two things. And we see one of them in 1 Corinthians, where Paul lists uh, discerning of spirits as one of the spiritual gifts that he gives, the spirit gives willingly and freely to us and to those who want it. I believe he will give that freely to you. Uh, and then there's also uh, kind of what I have called in this sermon, the way of wisdom, or uh, discerning what's happening in the earth, discerning uh, whether something's true or not, uh, being able to investigate scriptures and dive into it and, and just kind of have like a knower sense uh, and almost more like a heady discernment versus the spiritual discernment. So we're going to break down two of those things, both of those, and that's kind of my two broad categories I'm speaking of the one word discernment in. So uh, one thing that the discernment comes with is a warning, and that is that cynicism is not a fruit of the Spirit. Cynicism is also not discernment. Unfortunately, it could be the same thing in terms of the outward appearance. So someone could come to the same conclusion through cynicism as they would discernment, but the heart posture is wrong. And that's one of the big things that I want us to, as a church, like, I'm okay with getting things wrong, but what the Lord really wants is our heart to be pure and motivated for his goodness. And we're going to unpack what that might look like more. Um, but I want, I want that to be on the top of your minds whenever I kind of go through some of these things, because some of it will almost be like, okay, here's how to discern stuff. And that can be really easy just to jump into cynicism. Like, okay, this is the formula of how you discern something. So when I see it, bam, bad. Don't go there. But I don't think that's actually the way the Lord wants us to live. Discernment is not a formula at all. Both the spiritual discernment and like the more wisdom, heady discernment, okay? So the heart posture is what the Lord is really after. It's even why he gives us the gift of discernment is because he wants people to know his heart. Again, God is a revealing God. So he... He is after us to reveal himself to us. I've been going through the Old Testament, and, or specifically Ezekiel, which we're about to read. Ezekiel's prophecies, they're majority judgment prophecies. And the thing that he ends with almost 90% of the time is, so that they may know that I am the Lord. So even when the Lord is reaching out in discipline and judgment, his whole purpose is that you would know he is God. 
that you would have a revelation of who he is. See him differently than you see other gods. And that's one of the things that sets Christianity apart from every other religion. And it's beautiful. Is that other religions, there's gurus, there's people who have a higher attained power than what we might get. Uh, other religions have a stagnant God, set things in motion, a strict way that you need to do things. But God is on a constant movement towards us. And he makes room at the table for us. And that's one of the beautiful things that I want us to step into tonight. So we want the real him. So I'm going to start off with a passage from Ezekiel. Uh, and it's going to start more down in the dumps. And then we're just going to get better throughout the night. So, <laughs> so at this time in Ezekiel, Ezekiel is prophesying uh, kind of like in, in between of Israel's uh, deportation to Babylon. And so he's actually in Babylon prophesying about what's going on in Israel and Judah and how they're all getting exported. So at this time in history, there, there, or sorry, at this time, current day, modern day, I feel like there's never been like more voices like being shouted at us. Like anyone who's got 50 bucks can start a podcast and talk about whatever they want, right? Uh, Ezekiel's day actually wasn't all that far off because in this passage and others, I just, I just picked this one, honestly. <laughs> like I didn't look very hard because there's a bunch of them like this. It's really the same thing. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts, hear the word of the Lord. So we have prophets saying, this is God's word. And God saying, that's not my word. Verse three, thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins, O Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or build up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in battle for the day of the Lord. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. They say, declares the Lord when the Lord has not sent them. And, and yet they expect him to fulfill their word. Have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination whenever you have said, declares the Lord, although I have not spoken? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have uttered falsehood and seen lying visions, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord God. There it is. Precisely because they have misled my people, saying, peace, when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. Say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. There will be a deluge of rain, and you, O great hailstones, will fall, and a stormy wind break out. See, so like I said, we're going to start off down in the dumps a little more, and then we're going to build back up. <laughs> uh, because this, this is revealing God's heart for his desperate desire to show us who he really is. And how when people don't reveal who he really is, how truly offensive that is. Because we're talking about the creator of the universe who holds all things in his hand, who has all truth, and has revealed them to misrepresent him can be costly. So that's why we have the gift of discernment. Because <laughs> it's very important, right? Uh, it's also as if, if you would consider yourself maybe gifted in prophecy or want to go after it, uh, this is a really important thing to take on. Because 
And the moment you decide, all right, I want to hear the Lord's voice, is the moment we've got to say, but not from my own spirit, God. Take away everything from me that wants to prophesy from my own spirit. And constantly repent. Bring yourself back to the place, the posture of listening to the Lord and being submissive to the word, to others around you. So in the New Testament, in 2 Timothy 4, uh, Paul has a, a great uh, description of this similar thing. Let's see. Uh, what's it start with? Okay, yeah, verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And then, verse, yeah, okay. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So it's clear, and something we can, should consider with us, with our human selves, our nature, uh, that we are going to be drawn to things that will just want to satisfy our hearts, to, to puff up our ego, to give us self-esteem, to boost whatever is going to make us feel good. Uh, and so this is, this is the scriptural warning for us to always be on the watch for that. And there's ways that we can, and that's discernment. We're going to actually come back to this passage, so I'm just breathing over it right now. So thankfully, this problem, God has given us discernment. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.10 is when uh, Paul specifically mentions it, and there's always, there's, there's a long list of gifts there, but I'm just going to touch on this one. Uh, he says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each. So each, each one of us is getting from this list. And we have, we have you could look in our archives of teachings of like how that kind of plays out. How many? Can you just get one? Can you get two? Can you get three? Sure. Uh, but tonight we're talking about discernment. So after a few of those, he says, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. So that's like the, that's the spiritual uh, discernment that uh, you might typically think of whenever you hear discernment. So with that, uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways to approach it. Um, typically, this, this can be known as like a, a feeling gift. So some of you guys, you might just walk into rooms or meet someone, or you could be walking out somewhere in public, and you just get like blasted with a thought that is very unlike you. Uh, or you could come home from a day of work and like be, be down about, you know, just something that doesn't make sense. Like you're, you're just generally confused as to why you feel the way you do. And I think a lot of those times it could actually be you discerning things going on around you. Uh, the spiritual realm is way more real than we ever think it is. Like it's, it's just as real as this physical world. And I don't actually believe that really. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm going to, Trust the scriptures that, like, the spiritual realm is so real, and we don't fight against flesh and blood, and, you know, all the stuff where Jesus is so aware of everything going on, and I'm not. So I need to take his word over my experience there, and believe that the spiritual realm is just as real as me seeing all of your faces right now, and me being able to see color, and have a sense of smell, and taste. And, you, you know, like, like, this is the, the ceiling of what we're going after with the sermon, and it's massive. So 
the fun thing with that is if, if that's something that you might like identify with, like you've experienced that before, or even something that you want to go after, like get started on that journey. Because <laughs> it's, it's uh, one where you're constantly going to be learning and getting things wrong uh, and then rebuking stuff and maybe thinking maybe I shouldn't have rebuked that, you know, and like that, like that kind of thing. But like the good thing is that the Lord has a will. He's in control. I don't need to worry about my screw-ups in discerning something and possibly getting it wrong. Okay. And we're going to talk about maybe how to handle those things better a little bit too. <clears throat> but so this discernment of spirits, uh, if you want to learn more about that, a deeper study, I'd encourage the book of Daniel, and then uh, also the book of Ezekiel, but it is a doozy, so the strap on. A lot of the Old Testament prophets, honestly, but those two in particular jumped out to me, Daniel and Ezekiel. And then I have a few instances from Scripture that uh, I want us to think about in terms of how we approach this gift, too. So Matthew 12, verse 25, uh, Jesus is actually speaking to the Pharisees, I think it was. Uh, I took it out of the context because the context may have been uh, more elaborate than I wanted to right here, because the point is that he knew their thoughts. He said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided itself will not stand. So Jesus had a revelation of their thoughts and then corrected the thought. And that's, a, that's an example of, like, there's, there's no amount of study Jesus could have done. Uh, he didn't get that by growing up studying the Torah. Like, he had people in front of him, and he knew their thoughts, and he corrected it. Uh, there's a lot of graciousness to have there when you feel like you might need to do something like that. I would encourage you to, to not say, the Lord says this. Like we, we teach here, we, we feel like the Lord is saying, and then we'll also take it to the truth of Scripture that we'll get to later of testing all prophecies, holding on to the good. So that's, that's one example we see Jesus. In Acts 4, verse 8, uh, there's a lot of miracles, signs and wonders breaking out, and it's a big party. Some people are confused about it. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and the elders, and then he goes on to preach a sermon that convicts their hearts and does more spiritual activity. So this fill with the Holy Spirit is a very important part of this, this verse we see because the writer felt the need to put it in. So why would the writer feel the need? And not all the sermons that you see in Acts have this. Peter stood up, filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke to the crowd. So we get the impression here that Peter essentially got like a download of something that he knew was going to reveal God in the way that God wanted to be revealed in that moment. He didn't take the time to prepare a sermon like I did with this one. Uh, he was suddenly made aware of what he needed to say by God's revelation to him and then spoke that revelation to them. So that's something to, to, to see when you're, whenever you're reading the Gospels in the book of Acts. You'll see some, some little hints like that of the Spirit kind of specifically revealing something like that. Like a lot of times, and Luke emphasizes this, Jesus full of the Spirit did this thing that was awesome and everyone went nuts. But 
that is a big distinction to make with discern, like, because we need the Spirit to discern. That's, that's the whole, it's a spiritual thing. So it's, it's not like a study thing. Almost like your, your inner man that Paul talks about in Ephesians. So then, next chapter, we're going down to the dumps a little bit again. Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, I'm just going to read the first part of this. Because again, we're just emphasizing the discernment part. It says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And uh, later on, they both die. <laughs> yes. And then verse 11 says, And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. So the key part of this passage is that Peter said they lied to the Holy Spirit. So when we think of lying, it's like I lied to you by my words that I said and you heard them. Which happened in this instance. So Peter could have said, you lied to me. But he said, no, you lied to the Holy Spirit. So, so Peter, again, gets this, this inner, by the Spirit's power. It could be safe to say that Peter had the gift of discernment in both of these things. That he knew in the spiritual realm that they were lying. So he kept it a spiritual thing. Yeah, I think there's a lot more to be said right there, but <laughs> I want to move on. Uh, the common theme that I see in these three examples uh, is that they all lead to some type of revelation or encounter with God. That's the big thing with discernment. If I'm doing this to like puff up my own ego or make myself sound really spiritual, that's not going to lead to an encounter. I want people to encounter God. That's what this is for. Uh, Yeah, I think something, something we've cared about a lot in this church is evangelism and seeing, seeing people actually like, I suppose, randomly in kind of the Lord's presence in many different ways. Um, and that's something I want us to maybe explore our hearts as to why that has died down a little bit. Because uh, the Lord certainly hasn't died down in terms of his passion to see people encountered miraculously through him. And I know that I've seen and actually gotten to like be the conduit for people to just like radically hear the Lord's voice in ways that where I like say something simple and they're like busting out tears and it's like, okay, that, uh, okay, what do I do now? Um, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> like, because I just, like, it's, again, it's, if it's truly a spiritual thing and I'm truly relying on the Holy Spirit to do it, he will do stuff. And am I willing to step aside with my grocery cart when I'm in the grocery store and say something to someone or share something or pray for someone or call a family member up and say something that you were feeling. Whatever the case is, I think you know. And one of the things we see in Acts over and over again is the boldness, like the boldness of Peter to 
basically tell someone that they're about to die in that moment. And then it happens. Like, that's, that's way up here. I don't think I'm going to do that in my life. Maybe, hopefully, I don't know. But I, I hope that I can be enough filled and trusting with the Spirit that things like that, that seem just as absurd, I have the willingness to speak and even be okay if I'm wrong. Because here's the thing, if Peter was wrong about them dying, <clears throat> it probably wouldn't even showed up in Scripture. <laughs> right? Like, you just, that would have kind of been like an embarrassing moment for him. And maybe not felt the need to record it and they would have moved on. I don't know. But the Lord wants to encounter us. Uh, again, if you, if you feel that, if you're like kind of the feeler sense, then, then those are some things to, to start that path on in terms of asking the Lord questions and doing repentance and uh, kind of like cleansing prayer in a, in a way. Uh, the second thing, like I mentioned before, is more like the way of wisdom. So... There's, there's two specific passages I want to I wanna hit on with this, with this way of wisdom, but uh, there's a lot more in Scripture, including a couple books devoted towards wisdom. So there's a lot to be said, but here is the first one that I felt very important for us. Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there's a couple different things here. Harkening back to Ezekiel, how there was an abundance of prophetic voices at the time prophetic voices for Israel, and they were majority wrong. That's scary. But thankfully, we are the people of God. We know that we have the Spirit, and we know that God wants to fill us and give us discernment in things. It's not like, that's like you see things going on in the earth that are like, yes, the Lord is doing something. Where it's not like, it's not like necessarily like something happening in the spiritual realm, and you like got blindsided by it. But it's like, you are called to be a part of this and intercede and speak to it. Like, think about, like, right around this time last year, maybe actually maybe a little before, whenever, whenever COVID kind of knocked us all off our feet, uh, we were about a month in, you know, everyone's kind of like, the Lord has to be doing something in churches. He has to. And sure enough, I, I just talked with someone yesterday who their church has doubled in size in two months because of people flocking to the church after COVID restrictions lifted doubled in size. And there, that's, like, I, I keep hearing stuff like that, you know? Like, the Lord really is doing something, and that's something that I heard us murmuring about last summer. But it's like, we're really thinking, like, we're discerning this. Yeah, we're discerning. It's like, it's like, no, we're, we're partnering with God's Spirit that He wants to reveal Himself. He wants to speak this truth. He wants to do this thing. And we're going to go after that. That's what He says. Don't, don't be conformed to the world. Don't buy into the ways that they tell you to think and live and do this. Get it from the scriptures. So much, so much of how we kind of fake discern things is based off of our fear of man, our fear of what other people will think of us. So we post this way on social media or we 
uh, maybe even have these convictions uh, in our workplace or whatever it might be, but are they formed by the word? Because the, the, the world will constantly look at the outside. They'll look at us. They'll look at your face. They'll look at how you dress. They'll look at the work you do, how much you make. And that will be the decisions that are made about you that, in terms of like the long-term outlook. God has different ways to decide on long-term outlooks. He doesn't look at how you grew up, your job, your money, your status. He looks at what's going on in your heart. And we get to partner with that in the spiritual realm. We get to invite people into that when we bring in this discernment and help them encounter the Lord. So what's cool about that passage, too, is that it starts with worship. It is our spiritual worship, again, the spiritual activity. Worship conforms our minds to his ways and helps us discern. Again, that's why like, we, we try to sing great songs here. And even that's why, as a worship team, we've started writing stuff like that we've sung here before. Because we want to specifically align ourselves with what we feel the Lord's saying, <clears throat> what we see in Scripture, and going after that. So worship engages our mind, and it stirs our affections for the Lord. We need both of those things, mind and emotion. And then, the next one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20. <clears throat> Paul says, Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. So there's a, again, I, the context of this passage is awesome, and there's way more to be dissected here, but from this, from this, and kind of pulled from the context, uh, I see that prophecy plays a big part in living in the Spirit. I really believe it's going to, it's, it's, I, I believe it's the Lord's heart to have prophecy as a regular part of every Christian's life. And, and maybe not always use the P word, I don't know. But the Lord's always going to be speaking. That's what I know. Okay? He wants to speak. He wants to direct. He wants to guide. And Paul seems like he believes he's going to speak so much that he has to throw in a little disclaimer that we've got to test it. So there's a couple things there that we know that there's a chance of getting things wrong. Because if that wasn't the case, then Paul wouldn't say to test it. Uh, and the second thing is that it's not necessarily always going to be like, uh, oh, that just didn't feel right. Uh, because of the context of this passage, he's actually talking about preaching the truth and the gospel and exhorting the church to align with good doctrine. Uh, so this is a, a big part of it and how, also how prophecy plays into it. Uh, that there's a value for it, both in like how Peter preached. He preached prophetically and he preached soundly. And those two things are a beautiful combination. Um, but so the quenching the spirit is kind of a, uh, a sad tale we have here. Um, so I want to, and this kind of brings in the, the cynicism part, um, to not be cynical. But what does quenching the spirit look like? What might it look like? Um, I have a couple of things that I want us to look at for this. Um, one thing I've seen, uh, especially charismatic persons or groups do before, is 
when giving a prophetic word, making it all about you, making your revelation about you, even for the other person. I saw this, and then I saw, and then I felt, and then I remembered back when I, and then, and, and all of a sudden, it's just like the spirit is, even if the word's right, like it's no longer about someone encountering the Lord. So uh, one thing that Paul actually says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, this is kind of a sad thing for him, but it's what the Lord was doing to discipline him in this. He says, so to keep, me, to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Like, I was <laughs> surpassing, like he actually, he knew his greatness. He knew the revelations that he was getting were just beyond greatness that can be described. A thorn was given to me in the flesh. So that's, that's where we see the boast and weakness part. So, so Paul is immediately, in, in all of his revelations that he's getting, he's, he's taking himself down. He's saying, I'm, I am the pipe that the word flows through. This is, this is just about someone getting rocked by the Lord. That's my desire. And then in 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 1, this is actually one of the, the passages that kind of converted me into uh, the continuation of spiritual gifts and actually believing that they're good and that we need to go after them as believers. He says, And when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Again, he takes the low road. He goes, I'm pursuing humility. I'm pursuing meekness. This is the way of Jesus. This is what he revealed to us. So as a prophet or someone who wants to give prophetic words, this is the heart posture that the Lord essentially has set for us, that he revealed through Paul. Another thing, Paul again, uh, when, when there's uh, a bit of hoopla about some deep, never-before-unseen revelation, uh, that could almost be a warning sign for, again, like a person that cares a lot about what you think of them. What do I mean by this? 2 Corinthians 2, Paul says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have cru crucified the Lord of glory. But, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. So if we stop right there, we might think, okay, there are, there are people wandering around this earth who have deep secret walls hidden of wisdom that I need to uncover, and that's going to give me the spiritual lock I need for my life. Right? No. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. We have the Spirit of God that searches the depths of God. So when I, when I see someone magnificent and charismatic on stage, they might very well be all that they appear to be in terms of their spirituality and faithfulness. Yes. So again, don't be cynical towards that. But 
to assume that they are able to get some quicker access to God than I can when I'm on my knees in my bedroom, in my back room, worshiping, asking for God to hear my prayer is foolishness. And that's where discernment comes in. Where I might not believe that I can discern as well as someone else can, but we got to trust scripture here and say that the spirit has actually revealed deep things to you and you and me and you. And that's how good God is. Again, that there's no spiritual gurus that we need to go after to sit underneath and, and learn all the ways from. That's good. And then Colossians 2, Paul says, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on aestheticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. So the big, the big thing in this passage here is that uh, there are people essentially doing the work of discernment not attached to Jesus. And that's, that's almost where, like, I think this way of wisdom discernment, like, really where it's like, it's, a, it's an everyday thing when we are in our worlds wherever they are, knowing this thing that, like, if I'm, if I'm following someone that is not attached to Jesus, that is not connected to the vine like I am, then I need to take what they say with a grain of salt. Now, obviously, it's like, you know, all truth is God's truth. Uh, I'm a, I teach math in high school, so, like, I can learn math from a non-Christian. Like, I'm not talking about us being in a, like, a little hole with our head in the dirt, you know. I'm talking about how we approach and interact with people and how we view ourselves in light of who we are, our identity in God. That's what he wants us to know. Uh. Okay, I'm actually, I'm going to skip here. I'm going to call the worship team back up. So again, I, w- I want to take us back to uh, God's heart for discernment. Like even, even why would it be worth it to, to dissect uh, what even someone might be preaching or teaching, because there's, I mean, there's a lot of teaching out there, there's a lot of bad teaching out there, there's a lot of good teaching out there. Uh, but the reason to even go after any of it is because th- the Lord has an encounter for people on the other side of it. And if, if I'm attached to the vine, like how Paul wants us to be in that last passage, then I can be that conduit for other people to happen as well. So uh, with that, actually, I want us to invite, I want to invite us to stand And we're going we're gonna to respond with this uh, song of, of uh, cry and declaration for, for God to reveal himself to the world. And, and a funny thing with discernment, uh, kind of going back to the, the guru <laughs> mindset we sometimes take with people in discernment, uh, the will of the Lord is actually easier to understand than we might think it is. 
yes, there are complications. Like, there's, there's tough passages in the Bible. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he, with the Spirit's empowerment, he has given us more than we think. And here's what I mean by that. First Thessalonians 4.3 says it very plainly, actually. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. So even when uh, there can be confusion or you're having a tough time discerning what something might be uh, in the spiritual realm or uh, in the flesh, uh, I think this is something that the Lord always wants to bring us back to. That he has a will for us and it is to sanctify us. And that sanctification process does some of those passages we read before. Where, where people in the book of Acts just continually gave their hearts to the Lord. Where Peter stands up and thousands are converted. Because they went through a heart process of sanctification. That they were always on that process. Lord, would you reveal your heart to us? Fill us with the hunger and the need for your spirit. that the only thing we would crave is your voice. In whatever way we are living and discerning around us. Yeah, uh, I wanna encourage you to, to pray your own prayer under your breath um, or however you, you want uh, to fill, for God to fill you with uh, that hunger to, to share himself with the world. To share himself with your coworker and your family. To be broken by the things that he's broken by. God, we need your spirit. We need you to fill us. God, would you release discernment right now? And as we sing this song and this chorus, sanctify our minds, transform them. and give us ideas of how you're going to be moving in our life. Worship is a really great time to get direction. That's not why we worship, but it's a kind of a convenient side effect in a way. Because uh, he is sanctifying our minds. He's transforming them. And when that happens, we're gonna get clarity. 
So if anything pops into your mind, uh, just pay attention to it. Uh, we can definitely be distracted during worship too. I'm not saying everything that pops in your mind during worship is of the Lord. Uh, but he's very ready to speak, so let's worship. <laughs>